<clears throat> a few things, uh, actually not a few things, just one thing. It's good to be back home. And uh, thank you. Uh, thanks. I didn't expect that. I guess I need to leave more often. And uh, But uh, we, on behalf of our family, uh, thank you for the prayers that uh, were offered up for us as we celebrated uh, my daughter's wedding this last week, and I wish I could say that it didn't shed a single tear as I was officiating that ceremony, but uh, there were a few tears shed, but uh, I did pretty well through it all. You'll see some pictures of this eventually, um, but uh, right now they're in Toronto celebrating their honeymoon, and we're grateful for that, and I'm grateful that she's no longer on her insurance policy, so... uh, (laughs) So it's a good thing, all right? So, but, uh, but thanks for your prayers. Appreciate that a great deal. And I want to invite you now, as we continue our I Am series, I want to invite you now to consider how popular the number three is. Think about the way we do things in life. First is this, the earth is the third planet from the sun. So there's one. Here's another one. Look at the way we divide up a day. Morning, afternoon, and evening. How about the way some people drive? Under the speed limit, at the speed limit, and then, oh my, hold on for dear life. Heidi drove all 10 hours back, and I, this is confession time, I struggle when I'm in a car and I'm a passenger. I struggle mightily with it, especially with certain people in here, not, well, John Meister, speeds, Margie speeds. I'm just throwing you guys under the bus. It's an adventure uh, with them. Every time I've been riding with them, it's like, oh my goodness, Lord, get us there safely. You know, we do. They're great drivers. They just simply think the speed limit is a suggestion, not the law. But uh, Heidi, you know, and for me yesterday, I was telling Mark Rollins this earlier, it's hard for me to ride in a car with my daughters driving. And I love them. We taught them how to drive properly. But yesterday, as I'm riding with Heidi, I'm thinking, I would not be driving the way she is right now. And it just, it it drove me crazy. But she did really well. And uh, I'm acting like she's a 16-year-old. She's fine. She's a great driver. But but it was scary at times. I'll just say that. So, under the speed limit, speed limit, hold on for dear life. Typical food plan for a person in the United States is this, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And let's consider some children's books or children's stories. Goldilocks and the three bears. How many blind mice? How many little pigs? Three. Three, three, three. Right? We consistently see this over and over again. And if we want to talk about cinematic masterpieces... You look no further than Rocky 1, Rocky 2, and Rocky 3. I'll throw in Rocky 4 because that helped end the Cold War, but Rocky 1, 2, and 3, truly cinematic masterpieces. 3 is involved in all of these things. The reason why I share that this morning is because of this passage that we're looking at now, which I call the trifecta. It's found in John chapter 14, where Jesus addresses his apostles, and he says these words to them, starting at verse 4. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Father, we pray now as we come to this time of looking at your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we may see, open our ears that we may hear, open our minds that we may understand, and open our hearts that we would be further transformed by your grace so that we can then understand more fully and live more fully the life that you've called each one of us to live. And Holy Spirit, do your work so that no one hears anything that I say, but only what it is that you want them to hear. And that you, Lord Jesus, would be the only one who receives any glory whatsoever. We love you, and we thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. From John chapter 13 all the way through John chapter 17, we have a significant shift happen to, uh, in, in the way that John writes his gospel. If you're going to look at 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, you will notice this, that Jesus is no longer surrounded by a crowd of people clamoring for his attention. He's no longer talking to Pharisees who want him dead, and he's no longer having to deal with the Roman authorities who also want him dead. He's talking only to the twelve. He's talking to the twelve guys that he has spent the last three plus years of his life with. And in the midst of, the, of John chapter 13, all the way through 17, there is significant theology that Jesus Christ is sharing with these men. He's sharing with them because I think he wanted to throw in perhaps a last-minute seminar to make sure that they had everything lined up. We learn about the Holy Spirit there. We learn about the importance of serving one another. We learn about the greatest commandment there. We learn about all these different things, and and it's just with these 12 people. And in the midst of this, we have this encounter where Jesus says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But before we get there, we see this, that not everybody understands what's going on. There's this sense of confidence that Jesus has, also combined with a sense of confusion that the apostles have. Look at verse 4. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus has this amazing confidence in his people. As a matter of fact, I would even submit to you that Jesus Christ has more confidence in his people than they ever realize. He has more confidence in you, he has more confidence in me, than we will ever realize. Let that sink in for a little bit. Yes, we're fallen. Yes, we're broken. Yes, we struggle with all these different things. But in the midst of that, Jesus Christ still has confidence in us. Look at what he says here. He says, you know the way to the place where I am going. He has great confidence in these apostles. Now, these guys were not, they didn't grasp all these things. We see them struggle throughout the, excuse me, throughout the Gospels countless times. Yet Jesus Christ, towards the end of his life, still says, you know the way. You know where I'm going. And then how can you not help but be thankful for a person like Thomas? Everybody's in the room, and you've been there before. Somebody makes a statement, and in your mind you're thinking, I have no idea what they're talking about right now. I feel lost. I don't know what I'm going to do. 
I think I'm the only one that feels this way. Therefore, what will I do? I will not raise my hand. I will not ask any questions. Thomas is not that type of a guy. And I've said this countless times to you. We have a lesson to be learned from Thomas. And the thing that I've said many, many times to you all and to myself especially is this. It is okay to ask questions. Jesus is laying this all out saying, you know the way to the place where I am going. You know it. Jesus doesn't say, some of you know it. He says, you know the way. I know you know the way because I know you know. And Thomas is sitting there, and perhaps he's looking around the room that day, and he's thinking, everybody else might know, but I certainly don't. So Thomas raises his hand and says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because look what he says here. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? One of the things that's happened over the course of my life is this, is that the more I get to know God, the more I realize there's so much more to know about him. Some of you are here this morning thinking, I really don't know him that well. Don't ask me to do anything. Well, let me just say this. Take a number. All of us are in that same camp. We get to know him, and as we get to know him, and we get to know him more, we realize there's so much more to know him. I've had the privilege of, of, of walking with Jesus, and it's, it's been, a, it's been a, quite an experience since I was a sophomore in high school, but yet I have more questions today than I did when I was a sophomore in high school. I have more questions today than I did just six months ago. It's not whether or not he exists, it's how he exists, how he interacts with me, even though I am a train wreck at times. How does God keep reaching out to me? How does God continue to love me? And perhaps you're here this morning wondering, is it okay to ask questions? I'm here to tell you, keep asking the questions. There hasn't been a single question thrown God's way where God says, you stumped me. I have no idea how I'm going to respond to this. Now, Jesus just said to him, you know the way to the place where I am going, he says it with great confidence. And Thomas then says, we have no idea what you're talking about. And, it, and notice Jesus' response. It isn't like, well, get with the program, Thomas. Let's figure it out. God doesn't respond to us that way when we ask questions. God walks with us where our question is. And he says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to move with you. I'm going to pace with you. Perhaps you're here this morning and you have a number of questions on your mind right now. And perhaps you're afraid to ask them. I invite you, not just today, but every single day, to ask those questions. And allow Jesus Christ to come alongside you and pace with you as you work through those issues. So Jesus responds to them and says this, and we're going to break down verse 6. He says this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He starts it off by talking about I am the way. For centuries, God's people, God's people have been longing for someone to come and rescue them. For God's people, for centuries, they have been oppressed. For centuries, they have been looking and looking and looking. And every now and then, throughout those centuries, someone would pop onto the scene and say, follow me. And some people would place their trust in him. They would follow that particular person. 
But what ended up happening was is that they always, always, always disappointed. Why? Because they are not the way. God's people were longing for someone. They, they desired it so badly. I invite you in your Bibles uh, to turn back to Isaiah chapter 30. And if you're on your smartphone, scroll back there. But go to Isaiah chapter 30 and listen to what happens here. And I think it depicts really well what's going on with the people in Jesus' day as well. We pick it up in verse 19 of Isaiah chapter 30. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. The people are crying for help. Not, back, not just back in Isaiah's day, but also in Jesus' day. People were crying for help. Then we read these words. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Then you will desecrate your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, Away with you. God's people were concerned about where they were going. They were concerned that someone needed to show them the way to make it through. God's people knew this, and they cry out for it for centuries and for centuries and for centuries. And God says, whether you turn to the left or to the right, you will hear a voice behind you say, this is the way, walk in it. One of the responsibilities that the elders and myself have is to be able, as best we can, to discern the direction that God is calling us to lead this church. Every single time we get together, a portion of our meeting is devoted to this question, where is God leading us? We need to be in tune with that. The reason why is because if we're not as leaders leading in a way that takes us further and further into who Jesus Christ is and and how great he is, then we've lost our way. So Jamal and Don and Don and Jesus and I, we're constantly talking about these things. We're trying to discern where it is that God's leading us and how he's doing that very thing. And we come to John chapter 14 where Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way. The answer for the elders and myself isn't, hey, we need to do this, this, and this. The answer to our question is, it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ being the way. It's not about a route. It's about a person. How can we help people encounter the way? How can we help people encounter Jesus Christ? Rarely, if ever, will you hear me give you ten ways of doing this, this, and this. All of us have enough going on in our lives. We don't need another list. We need Jesus Christ. He is that way. And he says this, and I want you to, and I talked about this in that email that I send you every week this last week. He says the way, not a way. This is a definite article. And it's a definite article for a reason because Jesus Christ isn't one of many ways. He is the way.
All of you know that I am not a cat person. I don't like them at all. I have issues with them. They, it's a long list. But I've noticed that I've always been negative in my talks about cats, and I decided I'm going to try and sort of give you a positive story about a cat. Trust me, it's difficult for me to do this. There's a story about a fox and a cat. They were having a conversation. The fox says, anytime I'm, getting, uh, anytime I'm under attack, I have hundreds of ways that I can escape. And the cat looks at him and says, I have only one, and I think that is sufficient for me. And so as they're having this conversation, a pack of dogs comes over the hill and begins running at them. The cat instantly scurries up a tree and hides in the branches. The fox sat there and thought about all these different options that he had to get away. And the fox, within, inst- within minutes, was mauled and it was over. And the cat looked down at the fox, who was no longer in existence. And the cat said, better to be safe with one way than get caught up in a whole lot of different options and pay the price. Jesus Christ says, I am that one way. You can think that there are all these different types of options to escape. You can think that there are all these types of options to deal with life. But Jesus Christ says, I am that way. I am the way. Jesus Christ is the way in which we are rescued. There is no other. Every other way out there breaks down. Jesus Christ never breaks down. He's proven himself again and again and again. But Jesus isn't done there. He says, not only, Thomas, am I the way, I am also the truth. The truth. Jesus Christ provides the true reflection of who God is. You want to know what God is about? Look no further than Jesus Christ. Do you want to know if God forgives? Look no further than Jesus Christ. You want to know if, if, if God wants to give you peace? Look no further than Jesus Christ. He is a tr- the true reflection of who God is. Everything that God is about, Jesus Christ represents. And not only does it mean when, when Jesus Christ is talking about being the truth, not only is he going to show you the truth about who God is, he's also going to show you the truth about who you are. He knows you. Nothing is hidden from you. Not one thing. He knows you. He knows me. He knows everything about us. And he knows the truth of those times when fear or anxiety tends to grip us. Example. Last week when I was sharing with the church about this Haggai project team and, and our conclusions and how we believe that this is where we need to go and we believe that, that this is how much it's going to cost. Once I said the cost, there was an audible sigh, an audible gasp. And the reason why there was a gasp was because we get anxious about these things. We get anxious about these big projects that God, I believe, has called us to do. 
We get anxious because we all of a sudden are going to be asked to take some steps outside our comfort zone. And trust me, we love to have control. We love to say, this is the way we're going to do it. And we seem to keep God on the sidelines. And yet the Haggai Project team is convinced of this, is that as we continued praying, as we continued looking into all these different things, all of a sudden we realize this is a big undertaking for this church to do, but we are confident to say this, that no matter how much anxiety we have, no matter how much fear we have, that God will give us the courage and the peace to take those steps forward. I know that there's anxiety. I know that there's some fear involved here. But yet, in the midst of that, God says, I'm with you. I know what you're going through, and I'm still going to carry you through it. It's not just about our anxieties, the truth of our anxieties that he knows about. He also knows the truth about our fears. He knows the truth about our regrets. He knows the truth about our desires for revenge. He knows the truths about about the lust that is in our heart. He knows the truth about our self-absorbed greed. He knows the truth about the anger that bubbles just below the surface in our lives. He knows the truth about our greatest victories. He knows the truth about the help we provided a good friend. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows the ugly. He knows all the in-between. And get this, he knows the truth about all of us and still chooses to rescue us and care for us. That's an awesome God that we have. Let me rephrase that. That is how awesome Jesus Christ is. He knows the truth about you right now and he still chooses to rescue you. And Jesus isn't done. Then he says this, Not only am I the way, not only am I the truth, but I am also the life. All of life is embodied in Jesus Christ. You look at Jesus Christ's life, he covers the entire spectrum of everything that life could throw at him. All of life is embodied by Jesus Christ. Listen to this quote by Napoleon says this, his religion is a revelation from an intelligence which certainly is not a man. There is a profound originality which has created a series of maxims before unknown. Jesus borrowed nothing from our sciences. And listen to this last line. One can absolutely find nowhere but in him alone the imitation or the example of his life. Napoleon looked at all these different people and he said, the life of Jesus Christ is incomparable. There is no other that can do what Jesus Christ did. When Jesus Christ says that I am the life, what he's talking about is his ability to get involved in the good and the bad and the not so good and the very bad in all of our lives. When you're grieving... Jesus Christ is there. When you're in the midst of excitement and enthusiasm, Jesus Christ is there. As I officiated my daughter's wedding this last Friday night, yes, there were tears. But yet in the midst of those tears, there was this incredible enthusiasm, this incredible joy that Stephanie is marrying a godly man and and my prayers have been answered. Jesus Christ understands all of life. The brokenhearted, he understands. The abandoned, he understands. Those who are going through great things, he understands. 
when Jesus Christ makes this statement that I am the life, he understands that life encompasses all the highs, all the lows, and everything in between. Jesus Christ is interested in your life right now. Not just interested. He enjoys being involved in it. So I ask you, is he involved in your life today? And then he makes this powerful statement, no one comes to the Father except through me. Let that sink in for a little bit. This world in which we live says that there are a variety of ways to, 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 to get to the Father. And Jesus Christ makes the statement that no one can come to the Father except through Him. It's a conclusive claim. Now we can argue, and the argument would be this, well, there have to be many ways that this can happen. And Jesus Christ says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So either Jesus Christ, who has never lied once in his life, has now decided to lie this one time, which then invalidates everything, or what he's saying is true. Based on who Jesus Christ is and the proclamations that he's made throughout his life, this has to be true. We have no reason to think that it wouldn't be true. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what does that mean? It means this, that no one comes to the Father except through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is there anything else Jesus needed to do? The conclusion is this, no. And now it turns. Because when Jesus Christ makes this proclamation, the question needs to be asked. What you conclude about Jesus means a great deal. The greatest question that you will ever answer is who do you say I am? Those are Jesus' words. That's the question. Who do you say I am? And do you believe that I am the way, the truth, and the life? And that no one comes to the Father except through me. I knew this sounds very exclusive, and I know that this sounds very, very, very uh, extreme. Yet Jesus Christ understands that being exclusive and being extreme is what he is all about. He had to be extreme. He showed an extreme love, an extreme sacrifice, because our sin is an extreme problem. So no matter what, each and every one of us, must deal with Jesus Christ and the proclamations that He makes. And as we deal with those proclamations, it says a lot about our lives in general. I invite you this morning to consider seriously what Jesus Christ has said. That He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. At the beginning of the message, I talked about the importance of the number three and how prevalent it is. And there's also another element about three that helps us, that helps emphasize the power of three. The most stable shape in all of geometry is a triangle. There is no more stable shape that is out there. 
When engineers are designing bridges and, and buildings and all these other things that will carry and hold a lot of weight, the designs they create are based on triangles because of the stability that a triangle provides. Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. In an unstable world in which we live, we need the stability of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, to keep us going. In the midst of lives that are being pulled in a variety of directions, Jesus Christ isn't a way, but is the way that will guide us through it all. In a world that has a propensity for twisting tails so that down becomes up and left becomes right, Jesus Christ is the truth that does not back away from having us see who we truly are, what this world is truly all about, and the truth that Jesus Christ truly cares for us. And all around us, people are going through the motions and doing all types of things just to exist, yet Jesus Christ says this, that He is the life. And there will be rough times in life. There will be difficult times in life. There will also be ecstatic times in life. And through it all, He is the life and He enjoys being in the midst of our lives. Jesus Christ understood the power of three. The trifecta. And He understood the stability that comes through that trifecta. The triune God interacting with humanity, and the powerful stability that each and every one of us needs in life. So Thomas says, we have no idea what you're talking about, Jesus. And Jesus' response to him is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas, you might not understand everything that, that you've experienced with me over the past three years, but I will tell you this, know this, that I am stable, I am true, I am the way, and I am the life. And I'm here with you. So this morning I ask you this question. Have you placed your trust in the way, the truth, and the life? The one who provided everything that we need. The one who is stable in an unstable world. Father, we pray as we reflect on these words, we would ask that you would help us turn to you And realize that through Jesus Christ, there is a stability unlike any other. That there is a peace unlike any other. And that there is a power unlike any other. Father, forgive us for the countless times that we've looked in so many different ways to rescue us. When Jesus Christ is right there saying, I am the way. Father, may we, as a people, bind together to help us, to help your name, to continue on the power of your name, the stability of your name. Help us to proclaim that, both through word and action, each and every day. And for those that are in this room this morning that don't know you, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would continue doing the work that only you can do to help 
to help them understand you more fully. And if there are questions that you would answer those questions, and that through it all, each and every one of us would experience the reality of the way, the truth, and the life that is found in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.